0: This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean. Now, there's no olden fans who wouldn't have loved to have been in the away end at Bolton on Saturday... Zach Durnley firing in an injury time winner in the big League 2 Lancashire Derby. Absolutely amazing. It really brought home what we're missing out on during this pandemic. Those kind of magic moments are exactly why we go to away games. In the build-up to the fixture, I got all nostalgic about going on boozy away days with my mates from back home because I knew it was going to be something a bit special. And I really would have loved to have gone. So I arranged a Zoom call with my brother Simon and my blues brothers Adam Holt and Tom Lynch. And we went on a trip down memory lane to relive some of our favourite away day moments. Some of the less incriminating and controversial parts of that conversation are coming up later in the show. Having said that, there is still some very strong language in that part of the show. And unfortunately, the sound quality of the recording isn't the best, so apologies for that. We'll also be hearing from Statman Tom as he previews this week's upcoming home games against Carlisle and Port Vale. But first off, I chat with Danny and Will from Push the Boundary about yesterday's much improved performance and they also update us on their meeting with Trust Alden, a little bit about Barry Owen's 23 minute statement and the results of their latest and biggest survey to date. Okay, lads. Will, Danny, Danny, welcome back. Thanks the first uh, day of the season. Thank you. We won. We beat Bolton.
1: I'm still I, in shock.
0: I really, really, Beautiful. Wanted, I really wanted to beat Bolton today because it's Bolton. We play Bolton at the Reebok. It's, it's you know. always good. Yeah, exactly. always good to beat Bolton. Exactly. If if the first win was going to, you know, we're going to lose, get one point out of the first five, and we're gonna, you're going to choose one game to win. It's as your first game, it's going to be this one, isn't it? That you know we couldn't have chosen it better, really.
2: Definitely. I mean, just thinking about the winner at the end as well. It's just a shame that there weren't two, two and a half thousand olden fans in the Oof. away end. It'd have been absolutely chaos, wouldn't it? It really is sad, actually.
0: That it kind of brings it home a bit, doesn't it? And when you're losing games, you're not really, you know, it's like well, whatever. But when you win a game like that and you win it in injury time, it's a bit of a kick in the tits, really. That we, there was no fans there. It would have been magic. And I guess, like with what we've been talking about for the last five weeks, five or six weeks, it's all been pretty much doom and gloom. So it's nice to, it is nice to have a, a moment of, I mean, and to be honest with you, it's not really gone to me yet. I enjoyed the last, I enjoyed the goal. I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a good performance. I thought, I thought Bolton were really, really shocking, like, especially at the back, they were really sloppy. And They didn't really create that many brilliant chances. I don't think, did they? they? They did knock it about quite well, but they they look like they're going to be in trouble if they if they don't sort themselves out pretty quickly. But and when the goal went in, obviously I was delighted. It's all tempting we deserved
1: it we though today. I think.
0: Oh, I think we did. I thought we played well. I, I actually put a, a mm. poll out just before the game asking fans if they thought that the squad was good enough to keep us in League Two, and I think it was something like seventy two percent of people said no. I think we can take a lot of positives from today and think that.
2: There is hope. I mean, one, one major positive that we've got about keep again going back to the keeping us in League Two part is we can score goals, uh, we, we look good going forward. Um, I mean, McAlaney missed about four or five, didn't he, today? But I suppose he's still there to, to obviously have them chances. Player, yeah, great great signing. You've got Baham Bula that I don't think he knows quite himself what he's going to do, so our defenders work him out, I'd have no idea. And then obviously Rowan and Durnley, you feel that there's enough goals in there to get you enough points. It's just whether you can keep them out at the other end, I suppose, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but I mean, he did really well for that goal at the end and he got the ball well inside his own half, like took it all that way. Bolton defenders made it very easy for him that they they backed off him. Because there was a moment where you're thinking, what's he going to do? Uh, I think the lad said in commentary, "There's, this it's three on two or whatever it was. I can't remember four on two or four on three or something." And you're wondering, "What's he going to do? What's he going to do?" Because you were expecting some pressure on the ball, which just never came, and he just kept going, kept going, slotted it into the corner, and it was, uh, it was really nice to see. It really was. Yeah, it reminded nice me
2: finish. of his, uh, of his goal at, um, in, in his first game for us at uh, Crawley, on loan when he, uh, when he uh, we won three nil under. I think it was Pete Wild's last game. In charge and it reminded me of his, his W goal there.
0: Yeah, I think I remember that one. It was very similar, that kind of breakaway pace, kept the ball under control, slid it away nicely. I think I mean row up top, Baham Bula, they both have the ability to keep the ball. It's a nightmare to get the ball off Bula. Like he's really tricky. When yeah. he gets it, he very rarely gives it away. And so when we we've, we've when we've got that outlet there and we can keep playing in, in in the top third of the pitch, it's making a big difference. Also when we're playing up there, we're not I was worried yeah. about keeping the ball
1: at the other end. So he seemed to uh, he seemed to fade a bit. So substitution was good on the 85th minute. You you are wondering how much how much impact is Durnley going to have? He's you know he's not coming on for very long, but he he did enough, didn't he? Yeah,
0: it's exactly <laughs> what you. Exactly what you want from a substitution in it. Like Brian Clough said, it only takes second to score a goal. So, really, really good. I think, I think there were some real positives today. I thought that lad Jameson came on, did well. I thought, um, Barnett did, is it Barnett? A Barrett? I can never remember. Laugh back.
1: Barnett. Yeah. Barnett. Bar- Barnett he did He's well. Good. Yeah. yeah.
0: He, looks like a, he looks like a good player. I think going forward, we're definitely a threat. And I think that was, to me, that was the best combination up front that I've seen with, um, Roe and Michelini.
1: I thought that was the best I think what ha- what helped today i mean i like slagged him off in the past, and know Garrity had a good game, and i think I think a lot of that is to do with having a defensive midfielder behind him, so he doesn't have to do do the defensive stuff and he can go forward the amount of times he was in the box yeah um, look, looking to score you know getting a move in there
0: and scoring. <laughs> you got the yeah. Goal, yeah. Yeah,
1: so so I think that's probably his, his his preference is having having someone defensive with him. Wheelan, I didn't think he he did much today, but we well, obviously didn't need to, and then he was brought off at the right time as well.
0: Yeah, I think the first eleven could be good. I do uh, going back to my point about the um, about the squad being good enough to keep it in league two. I do worry about the squad, the, the the strength of it, the depth of it over a long hard season. I definitely think that. There's grounds for optimism that we might have a good first eleven, maybe a good first twelve, fourteen to, to work from. But I think once we once we start getting the injuries and the suspensions and all the, the usual stuff, then we might struggle. So mm. you know, today is a, a good day. We've got our first win. We beat Bolton. So yeah. there's a lot, of, you know, I'm positive. A lot of positive performances. But in terms of the squad, I'm still I'm still a bit dubious about whether it's strong enough to last a season,
1: especially fitness-wise as well. Um, I think from the off today we were closing bolting down, we were doing a lot of closing down, doing a lot of running around, and you know you could you can do it for the first few matches if the fitness is there and we work on fitness and we can keep that up, then that's good, but you know the, the worry is if if we can't keep that up and we start losing some of the French players you know that's that's for down the line i
2: mean the the, the games are gonna come thick and th- thick and fast now though aren't they because we've got Saturday Tuesday for God knows how, how how long now, and like you said, that's where your squad will come into play. And I know it's the same for everyone, though, in in our division, and and how their squad rotation and maybe picking certain players for certain games may well work out. So it'll be interesting to see how, how the squad pulls together and plays its part in obviously the, the next well eight weeks or so. That's going to be probably fifteen, sixteen games or so. It's going to be quite tough on the legs, I should imagine. Definitely,
0: and. I, I, like you're saying about the press the high press putting teams under pressure not letting them come on to us and put us under too much pressure where we make the mistakes and and that's a hard that's a hard game to play it's very tiring on the on the front lads but I think that's I think that's the way we need to go I think we need to start playing higher up the pitch I think we we, we need to start pressing and putting defenders under pressure defenders at this level will make mistakes and we know that we've got Roe at the end at the edge of the box he's always looking to to pop one off any, you know, any defender makes a mistake at the edge of the box and he'll have a go. And McElaney likes to have a go. And Baham there's there's players up there that if we press and force players into errors, we'll get goals. I think we are just going to have to outscore teams this season. I don't know what do you think about um, what Harry had to say about Wheater? I know we talk about this every week because it's still unresolved, but there's been a, a lot of chatter on social media about what he had to say about the Wheatah situation. What's your. Uh,
1: Thoughts, lads. I, th- I think he's making himself look a bit silly, really, when the club's already come out and said that he's not in the first team plans. So we've got something official from the club, and then Kewl's coming out and saying, "Oh, you know, he's not fit, and he's had COVID, and and all of this, and you know, he had his injury." But we already know from the club that they're not letting him play. So why not just say that,
0: Danny? Why not just say that? What do you think? What Why do you think he is saying what he's saying?
2: I I I I genuinely have no idea uh, once the once the statement comes out people then have got to choose whether they accept it or they don't accept it whether it's right or whether it's wrong but they, they've come out and told everyone that he, he's not available for selection which uh, again is is baffling but then beyond that to to then go back on it just Gets fans backs up. I mean, fans are, are looking at it, going, "Well, we've conceded prior to today. Conceded thirteen goals in five league games, and there's a, a, ga- a gaping gaps uh, occurring at the uh, in the within the back four, the back five, the back three, whichever you play. Uh, and then he comes out, gets questioned on it, and says that he's injured, which is ra- rather bem- bemusing. And like like Will said, I'm not, I have no idea what why he's come out and said that. That's all.
0: Yeah, it's these little things that, that, that are kind of like the soul proper that just keeps backstories that just keep trickling along, which really just need put into bed. It would be a lot better for everybody if there was some transparency in it. I'd prefer Harry to just come out and say, this is nothing to do with me. This is something. There's something going on in the club. It's not up to me to say it's between, uh, David Weeter and, and, and whoever. And just be honest about it and say, I'd like to have him in my team or whatever, but trying to spin it like he is, is, uh, yeah,
2: yes. it's not good for anyone. I mean, when it's happened previously, I mean, it, I remember it happening under with uh, Jack Byrne under Frankie Bunn and and Bun was asked about it and he said, "Oh, it's a disciplinary issue that's above my head. I, I've not got a say on it." And if if and when it becomes available to me, then great, uh, and I can I can use in at, at that point. But until then, he's not available. And and then shortly after he left, but uh, at, le- at least at least there was the words from Bunn Basically correlated with what everyone understood the situation to be, Um, and again, it's not with Weeter and Woods. It it isn't the first time it's happened, sadly, is it?
0: No, it's not. Anyway, we we all know the situation anyway, don't we? So there's no, there's not really any ambiguity there. But now, I've not treated myself yet to 23 minutes of Barry Owen. Right, I I was going to do it earlier on, but I wasn't mentally, (laughs) wasn't mentally ready for it. But <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the club, somebody has thought. Now I don't know. Was there a question about Barry Owen in your survey this time round? Because I tried yeah. to find it, but when I try and click on the link on my phone, it's, it doesn't open properly. The, the, the survey, but so I was—I think there was a question about Barry Owen, and um, I'm pretty sure the results of, of, of that, which you can tell me about in, in a second. Would would incline would be inclined to uh, suggest that he's not very popular. So somebody in the club has decided, in their wisdom, to stick Barry out for a twenty minute, twenty three minute statement uh, about the club, which <laughs> doesn't seem like the like the the best decision. Have you listened to it, lads? And what do you think?
1: I've I've not actually listened to it yet. I'm not had time.
2: I I have listened to it. It, it, most of it was about the the question about the uh, this project big picture thing that got voted out maybe by the uh, by, by the Premier League clubs uh, unanimously decided that it wasn't the best idea. Barry Owen basically said in that that the, the football league clubs were all united that felt it was a good idea, but there was some holes in there that they didn't want the big six to have a bigger say than everyone else and a bigger pull. And there was the uh, preconception that they may use short term the, the short term pain for the EFL with no fans being allowed in stadiums and bailing them out to for their own long term gain, um, which is a, again a valid opinion of presumably quite a lot of the EFL clubs. By by way of it update for for the club, he didn't actually say too much. Said that the times are tough, but they have been amongst the the whole of the football league, which is understandable.
1: I saw a clip. They gave us the uh, amazing insight that we are um yep, we've got staff and we pay them wages.
2: <laughs> he did, did say it? that the that no one had been made redundant, so that was a positive. And they yeah. are very they're very good at paying.
0: That's another thing. That yeah, yeah, say.
1: very good. Not made redundant, but we've sacked people, or at least, well, yeah, we sacked people. We sack Dino. We sat Natalie. At least that we know about. The the
2: one the one slight positive on this as well, however, is that we in our survey we did the, the came back that uh, honesty and openness uh, was was one in regular communication with fans. So at least with rolling out a, a, a board director, obviously Barry Owen probably wouldn't have been the first choice for... Many olden fans, but at least the the provided a, a, an update.
1: Yeah, so so the, the Barry Owen question on the survey that was asking us to rank, uh, asking fans to rank like the priorities at the club: honesty and openness, and interference in team selection. And, and Barry Owen actually wasn't as high as people might expect. I think he was about fifth or sixth priority. As uh, about ninety-one people said it was a it was a scale of one to five, so five being important, one not being important. So ninety-one people said that um, Barry Owen was was a one, so not really important about replacing him. So it's good to see that Barry's got ninety friends.
0: Yeah, I mean it's all relative, innit? You you put this, you put that question in amongst other questions. Yeah, there are other priorities in terms of what people want to see happen, what people want to see change but yeah he's not the he's,
1: he's, he, not, this the, is he's not, not the issue he's
0: not the issue he, he's he is also a, not, he's, not he's also not a great sportsman for the club is he um, in terms of how he presents himself, how he talks but you know the, like you say, Danny they've decided that they're going to try and, and make some effort to communicate, and that is obviously a good thing. How how much do you think that that is in relation to the kind of pressure that pushed the boundary, and not just pushed the boundary, but fans in general are putting on the club now? I presume you've sent the the results of the survey to. Is it? Did you send them to Carl? What what's the story with with the survey?
1: Yeah, we sent them to Carl. Um, we actually discussed them, and I'll call with him this week as well. So, you know, showed him the results and discussed it, and. He knows where we are with that.
2: It's it was certainly a very open uh, meeting with Carl, and the the results were pretty damning on certain questions. He then um, he asked uh, for a copy, so we sent him a copy of the results, and, and it, now obviously it's up to the, the club to decide what to do with him. Uh, again, the results weren't the best for the for the club, but to be fair, being 92nd out of 92 at the time probably didn't help. I uh, don't think it would have changed it too much, that set, that being said. But yeah, it was an open conversation and hopefully Carl will take that away and, and, and certainly look to implement some changes that we, we can benefit from from that survey as well. And yeah, that's but... the
1: thing. It's like, yeah, Carl's come in, he's new and he's got, he's got a job to do and have to give him a bit of time. But the club also have to understand that this is nearly three years into Abdallah's time here. And just because Carl's come in, as a new guy to, to try and make changes you can't take can't just say okay well Cal's in now so we we're, we're not going to do anything we're going to wait and see you have to keep going on because you don't know how long Cal's going to last what no. he's going to do what he's going to implement so we have to keep doing what we're doing one of the things with the with the survey is it quite interesting that a lot of the press has picked up on this as well so you know we've got the olden times got the olden chronicle Actually, even before the results came out, the, the uh, a reporter from the Telegraph got in touch with us, uh, included us in a bigger piece on clubs in crisis in the northwest. So th- there's, a, there's a lot of people out there keeping an eye on things like that, and it's and it's good that people are picking them up and people are listening. And you know, th- there might be who knows some some future investors out there that, that might pick up on this, might look at either investing in the team or, or looking at buying the club. It'd be good.
2: I mean, it, it has been quite a busy week for ourselves, really. To be fair, I um, mean, we had that that, that meeting with Carl uh, another day. Uh, Adam and Steve were on with uh, a on a webinar. I think the Trust were on, on there as well um, with the FSA, and that was to discussing stuff regarding where the where teams are at in in, in England and, and across the EFL that was a clubs um, in
1: crisis thing as well wasn't
2: it yeah and they mentioned obviously prior to covid that oldham was one of the clubs in crisis so obviously it predates covid but with the with the uh, the issues uh, that had been going on um and then we had a, a meeting uh, with the with trust oldham on, uh, i think it was thursday which uh, allowed us to just see where they were at with their new with a new board and and see whether what what their what their next steps were what our next steps are and and just to see where we can make progress. And how did, so
0: how did that go? And what was the what was the relations like between you both? Are you on the same page? Do you, are you seeing things in the same way? Was it positive? Give us a bit more detail.
1: It was positive, yeah. We had a catch-up with Jason Flynn and Paul Hughes, chairman and vice-chairman, I think Paul is now. They've just come off the back of their, their first meeting at the weekend. Yeah, it was positive. We, we want to work together. There's obviously things that they need to sort out themselves and there's probably some things that they can't really put their name to that if we do something, so you know, down the line if, if things start to get heated and th- things that we do, I think they still see a big value in having a foot in the door at the club and having a relationship with the club. They are still working on the memorandum of understanding with the club and they've not uh, appointed anyone to, to take over the, the seat on the board think they're just kind of waiting to see the me- the outcome of the memorandum of understanding getting signed off, and then they're going to take it from there. Definitely going to be working together. Not working together, but there's there's no there's no tension between us. We said in the call, we all want the best for the club, and we want to work together, and there's no point two of us trying to do two different things and, and clash in. So we just need to work together where we can.
0: Am I right in thinking that what you're saying there is – the trust, uh, feel that they have to be more careful in what they say, what they do. They kind of, they feel like they, they, they are under a little bit more. They have handcuffs on, if you like, whereas push the boundary are able to ask the more difficult questions and able to sort of, they don't have the handcuffs on and they can be more, you can be a lot more direct. You can pass that direct information onto the trust and then they can use that in a way. Which they feel is appropriate with the club. Is that is that basically what you're saying? If if
1: it's appropriate for what they want to do and if they think it's it's right for what they they want to do, then yeah. So Um, what
0: did you ask them about the question? So what just with you saying that with about what they want to do, this is all about the trust representing fans and it's about what we want them to do as opposed to what they want to do, the trust. Yeah. Did you have that conversation with them about them representing the fans as opposed to them being their own entity
1: we did bring it up yeah I've, I mean, I've spoken about it in the past about the the whole community benefit society set up so jason's going to actually take that away and have a have a think about it they've still not decided their approach going forward so whether it's you know changing the whole setup of the trust or considering um raising money or speaking to the club about getting a, a greater shareholding in the club, you yeah. know, building a war chest, et cetera. And they're still not, not 100% sure on that.
0: Are they planning on asking the fans about that? And have they asked you to, to help in, in that? You know, I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking about a small group of people sitting around a table thinking about what's best for the trust going forward. Is it really up to them to decide that? I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate and asking difficult questions you know, because I know that people listening... Are thinking this, and I know no doubt you have thought it as well. Um And this is a platform for, for for people to understand what's going on. So, is that is that what's happening? Are they trying to figure out themselves what direction the trust needs to take, and what? Uh, you know,
1: I believe what, so. I can't, I can't speak for them. We discussed it briefly in the meeting. We talked about a few things, but they haven't decided on every, any, everything. You know whether they're going to speak to the fans and see what the fans want to do. I don't know. It would be good if they did, but yeah, that's on them to, to decide going forwards.
2: What was made clear during that meeting was obviously they'd, they'd just come off the back of, like Will said before, the EGM and the the uh, reforming of the board. I think, like Will said before as well, that they'd had their first meeting about three days prior to speaking with us. Uh, so I guess that we'll just have to wait to see what was discussed at that meeting. Come out in, in the form of board minutes uh, and and hopefully they can See where they can move forward and uh, and like Will said, hopefully touch base with the fans and and see what direction they they of travel that they are are going to go in.
1: They need to do they they need to do something to get fans on side and and we did say that they're going to have to have to do something rad, either radical or make some massive steps to to get a lot of the fans back on side and believing in them again. Because if they, if they carry on like they have done previously. The trust in the trust isn't there at the moment, so they, they need to do something to get the fans. And they have the shareholding. How much value that hit, that has, I don't know, but it it does get them the foot in the door with the club. They do have some rights to view accounts and things, but we don't we don't want to lose that shareholding. So we want what's best for the club. We want the trust to do well, but they have to change to uh, to get people on side.
0: Did you get the impression that they realise how out of touch the trust is with the fans and how out of touch the fans are with the trust? And did you get the feeling that they really actually want to do something radical and, and fundamentally change the way that they – and I say they, it's a new board, but the trust, you know, once you become the trust, once you are a board, members of the trust, you're the trust, and you kind of take on the legacy of the trust. People judge you by <laughs> – things that maybe you didn't do and that other people did, but do you think that they've got that, they, they understand the urgency of that?
2: They acknowledge the fact that what they were taking on, um, a few have been on it before the EGM, so they they know how the trust works and where they need to become better. The proof, I mean, the proof will be in the pudding anyway, won't it, really? But they did, they did acknowledge where, where the trust are at at the moment and I suppose you couldn't say much fairer than that.
1: The board members that they have at the moment, they are people that have been involved with the trust previously anyway. So Jason Flynn has come back on the board. He, he resigned a while ago and then he's he's been re-elected. He's been involved. Paul Hughes has been involved for a while. I think he was co-opted for a while and now he's become a full director. You've got Tracy Wright, who's been involved for quite a few years. Um, Mark Harrington. So they both resigned earlier in the year after things that had happened in January, February um they they've both been been re-elected as well so that the people that are involved with the trust know what it's like because they've, they've been in the trust for a while what they're going to do about it we'll have to see and like you say the urgency of it all they do have to have to think about doing something and and moving quite quickly i think
0: yeah i mean i'm not i'm not bashing anybody i, I know that it takes a lot of time and commitment and, and energy and effort and that the people that are, have stepped forward to do that now are, are are there because they have stepped forward in place of those who haven't stepped forward. So you have to respect them for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, I've got a clean slate with everybody. I've got no no agenda against anybody or anything. We're talking about it now because we haven't spoken to them and this is, you've spoken to them. Hopefully they'll come on. Somebody will come on. Somebody will feel that they're in a position to come on and, and explain onto the podcast. I mean, to explain where the trusts at and, and, and answer the questions that the fans have got very, very soon. Because it is an open dialogue to the fans to come on here and, and communicate and that's that's all we want. We don't want to speculate. We don't want I don't wanna to have to ask you for answers about the trust. It's not for you to answer. I can I can ask you about your perception of the meeting that you had, and you can give me the answers and that's what you've done. But really it's up to them to speak for themselves. Hopefully yeah. that, that will that will be arranged fairly soon, I hope yeah but like that's that that's where we're at with've we've with an with a an organization and a trust that is round the table with with the club they need they need to act in a way that they feel is appropriate to keep relations with the club good yeah um and vice versa and what you're saying has pushed the boundary your role is to push the trust to ask the difficult questions on behalf of one thousand one hundred and thirty four fans and counting in terms of the surveys and things like that.
2: I mean, it, it was a really good turnout as well. So, again, thanks to everyone that completed the survey. And we, we will be working, certainly, with, along along with those results. And, well, well, hopefully the club will implement the change of what they want, what the fans want to happen as well.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see. I think, I mean, somebody was messaging me there on Twitter earlier on saying, like, you know, because we've got the win, you know, don't don't think that everything's fine. And I'm like, well, obviously, you know, <laughs> No, it's not. Like, no. yeah, we've won one. We've got one win.
1: Just because we've won one, you can't can't think that it's just going to start improving from now. It might do. Who knows? But
0: listen, will we could go on a we could go on a four match winning run. Now, bam, bam, bang, bang, and then you think great. But then we could go on a four, five, six match losing run because that's this is what happens at this level of football. You you tend to find that you'll go on a bit of a run. Um, get a few wins or whatever, and then you're going to lose it, you know. So it's going to be like that, chopping and changing through the season. Like we said, already the squad is going to be put to the test, and it's going to be a long,
2: hard season. I think it is important to differentiate what happens on the field and what happens off it. They they do go hand in hand to a degree. Uh, you, you generally see everyone pulling in the right direction where clubs are promoted. Everyone, and that that goes from behind the scenes as well, but. Results hide hide or highlight what what the big picture is off off the pitch really. I mean, we've seen, for example, you could go back to uh, like Berry for example, that they got promoted in the in the season prior to being kicked out of the football league. The the, the same questions couldn't or wouldn't be asked when a team's first, second, third in the, in the foot in, in that division. So their their results probably didn't help them in the. In the long term, but it is imperative to to differentiate what's going on on the pitch to off it. Certainly tonight, we, we should all be celebrating with a beer, a glass of wine, and and enjoying our win over Bolton because it's uh, our first away away win, away league win at Bolton since 1982. I know we've won there in the uh, FA Cup quarter final, but regardless of whether fans are in stadiums or not, it's still a a,
3: a nice win. On the back of that last minute winner by Zach Durnley against Bolton it's time to look to Tuesday night and we will be facing Carlisle, a team that are in great form just like Morecambe were when we played them. Carlisle have won their last three league games and currently sit third in League Two. 12 points of a possible 18 shows that they're a formidable side but actually one we've already beaten this season. They've scored seven goals this season in the 6 games they've played in the league and they have averaged 17.3 shots per game, 5 of which have been on target, 7.2 shots from outside the box and 9 shots from inside the penalty area per game show that they vary their shots and how they like to play. The top scorer this season is John Mellish, a centre-back or holding midfielder. He scored three goals in the six games this season. And They also have former Latics player Luis Alessandra, who scored one goal and one assist this season. They're a team who seem to not enjoy having the ball and like to catch teams on counter attacks. With only forty-seven point nine percent possession on average and fifty-nine point four percent pass completion. In terms of the strengths that Carlisle have, they love set pieces and counter attack and are very good at aerial duels, predominantly. A big side. However, they do not like keeping the ball. This could be something that benefits the Latics as they have kept the ball more than the opposition in the last four games. With both teams looking to utilise wing players and fast attacking moves, it could be a very interesting and well matched game. Carlisle like to play a 4-3-3 formation in games which shows their counter attacking play is one of their strong assets. It's a formation that is not too unfamiliar for Oldham as they used this against Bolton on the weekend, bringing in some new players, it ended up paying off. With Carlisle seemingly over their bad start to the season and now sat in third, it will be an interesting game as the two teams who faced off in the Carabao Cup first round have gone in opposite directions. One of the standout players for Carlisle this season has been Gimitori, The forward, who's been played mostly on the right wing, has two assists this season and with Luis Alessandra down the middle, he's been always looking to feed the ball into him. With Oldham having a fast pacey winger themselves in Bahambula, it could be an interesting game to see which of the two forwards come out best and which team ultimately comes out on top. I thought it would be amusing, uh, amongst
0: all the despair and misery of the podcast, to um, talk about some away days and uh, some of the fun we've had over the years um, that is not going to get any of us into trouble and that we, that we can remember because our away days are exceptionally boozy, or they have been in the, in the past. Very, very boozy affairs. Meeting at Piccadilly train station for a, for a pint at 10 o'clock. Get the cans in from Sainsbury's. You'd always see some other Oldham fans, plenty of us there. Get on the train and away you go. Don't you just miss it? Don't you miss it? Talking about it. I don't have have any other
4: excuses to drink in the morning. (laughs) No. Great times.
0: You know, when I'm thinking back, uh, one one of the most memorable things that comes to mind, Adam, you weren't there, Tom, unfortunately, but it's when we went to Barnsley. I
4: I have been thinking about this one. Is this the one where I get locked out? Yeah, I get thrown. I don't even get in the ground. Yeah, I mean, actually, something about that is that no drinking zones are quite common these days, aren't they? But I don't think they were as common then, and, and we certainly weren't used to them. I kind of walked into one without even knowing there, and we'd gone all the way to Barnsley by public transport. As I get there, this just like this guy just decided that I wasn't going in because I had a can in my hand rather than say, you can't drink that, put that down, fair enough, sunshine. Uh, that was it. It was a straight, no, you're not coming in, goodbye, walk away. So I'm thinking, hang on a minute. I decided in, that I would get round this by keeping my head down and going in the home end and just watching the game there. And I thought I'd, I'd, I'd go around the corner, change my dress, as in not my trousers, obviously, but chip swap my top. So I looked different, different, slightly different. Head back in, totally different turnstile. As I'm going in, paying the money, same guy, somehow, has ended up on the other side of the ground. Because well then, that were a waste of money, weren't it? And threw me out with about two other blokes. Unbelievable. Yeah, I had to uh, spend the rest of the day in
0: a pub somewhere, yeah. You were absolutely shit-faced. Like, yeah. we were all really pissed. You were bladders. <laughs> I remember that. There was like a big hill. That you walk over down to the ground, and we were walking down the hill, and we were all bladdered.
5: Adam, we've been walking around the centre of Barnsley with Yorkshire puddings on sticks and yeah. dressed in flat caps and stuff. We're,
0: yeah, we all had flat caps on with scarves on, and yeah. we had these. Adam had made these Yorkshire puddings on wires, <laughs> and we were walking <laughs> them around. Barnsley, like they were were little dogs or something, (laughs) like, whoa, come in, and going on to it, oh, he likes you, (laughs) things like that, weren't we? And we went into this, we walked into this one pub, and it was fucking full of Barnsley, we walked in, and the 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 barns just went, I don't think so, lads, and like, just pointed in the other
5: direction. Two policemen just stood at the door, weren't it, as you get in, and they were like, don't think so, lads, (laughs) not the place for you, this. No.
0: (laughs) I think we saw the error of our ways. Event today, we? we? thought, this is a bit unwise, this. We're going to get our heads kicked in if we don't. Uh.
5: But didn't Adam end up in the pub with the, the psychotic Barnsley fan that, yeah. like, hit everything that wasn't Barnsley, made best of friends with him? And then we turned up at the <laughs> pub and it were like, oh, my God, it's a bit fucking edgy in here, isn't it? Yeah. When,
0: when um, we went back after the game, we, we went into the pub where, where Adam we were. And Adam had he- made friends with these, like, absolute lunatics who were barred from the ground. Sitting there. And one of them was like a time bomb waiting to go off, wasn't it? He was absolutely mm-hmm. mental. And like we are all too polite to leave, and we're sitting there like, having drinks. Like, I don't know how long we stayed for, but it was it was rough, wasn't it? They're
5: good though. They were all right in the end.
0: But they were all right, yeah, they were they were all right, but there was just that there was that one big bit like train spotting type, wasn't there? He was just like <laughs> he was just like <laughs> everyone was he's gonna glass one of us in a minute, any minute now, like. But yeah, we got, we got away unscathed though, didn't we?
6: do not matter where you go, do not matter whether it's an olden fan or, or an away fan or a home fan, there's always a Begby. Be. It might even be Adam. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Adam, you're one of the most
0: incoherent people I've ever met. Like some of our away days, some of the states that you've been in, this was back in the day when you used to drink Stella before you realised what it did to you. What's your favourite away, lads?
6: Favorite, favorite? What, favourite away ground or yeah. favourite away trip
5: that we've done? Either or, Forest away in the cup was a a rather belting day, I think.
0: Yeah, that was a good day.
5: That was debauchery, it was a lot of fun. You know which Forest trip I enjoyed? Do you remember when we got beat three 0
0: by Forrest? We got absolutely murdered. We we all went. It was rubbish, but the old we sang all oh, yeah. the way through the game. Like we were all pleasant. We we all knew it was a dead dead cause, but we just didn't stop singing the entire game. It was brilliant.
6: I remember that that is that is a rare and very odd moment of satisfaction. Walking away three nil and having a good time, losing three nil, having a good time. Yeah, I remember that though. Yeah. yeah, everyone was
0: determined, like to just enjoy the day.
6: Won it three nil at half time. Is that why? Because we got we just got pumped in the first half, and then everyone just carried on getting drunk, and the second half was just everyone singing. I think I remember yeah. that. It
0: was a very very. It was like everyone was just hell bent on getting bladdered. It was a very drunken away, and it was really really good.
6: I think um I think my, my favourite away trip and it is this this is almost too obvious because it's in the most recent past, but I think the absolute despair that we've had in the last ten years, if you sort of overlay that despair with how ridiculously euphoric Fulham was, mm. I actually think it's Fulham because out of absolute nowhere with a caretaker manager, with no experience, we went and won at a Premier League opposition on a beautiful day in West London. I think of all, <laughs> of all the great trips, of all the great results, that one just stands out, just because it was, it was proper magic. Everything about it.
0: It was, and we got down to London the, the night before, and we had too much to drink the night before. We did, we did have, was it Prosecco and Bailey's coffee for breakfast, I believe? That was that was absolutely god awful, rough that morning. It was horrendous, but it got better as the day went on. Yeah, no, it was great. It was it was a it was a great buzz that day. It was well, I mean, being at a big ground like it was full.
5: I think it kind of gave you that for me, and it? it gave you that belief, didn't it, of what Oldham could be again in some respects. Like however, what were it four, five, six thousand or whatever had gone down there? Yeah, it was just like the old days, just just raucous and fun and just loads of people happy, having a laugh and enjoying the football, which, yeah, like you said, Tom, is very few and far between these days, isn't it?
6: I think, do you know what, though? I think for me, it, it, doesn't, it didn't actually make me think, oh, this is what it could be again. It was more the fact that it was just at that time and now there isn't much hope. So it, you, you're in the doldrums. You've resigned yourself to misery And then you go and get a result like that out of absolute nowhere. And it wasn't just the result. We played them off the park. That Misalu completely ran the show, didn't he? He was just unreal.
0: First half, he was just so good.
6: Unplayable, like end-to-end, like beating men, winning the ball back. And you just thought, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this is just bizarre watching it. it." But
5: it was magical. Yeah, The safe penalty just had everything, didn't it? Because it was never a
0: penalty. It was the softest penalty you've ever seen.
5: So to save the penalty and then go down the other end, what ten ten minutes after and score a second. Yeah, yeah. You
0: the thing was with it as well is it, it felt like things might turn around at that moment, didn't it? There was there was some optimism. Yeah. It just felt like there was maybe a chance things might just click from that point because that's what football does. It gives you these false senses of security, these moments of euphoria where you think maybe this is the the catalyst that we need to like. To boot move forward and obviously it wasn't, but it was nice well, to feel that it was for a little while. Yeah. Anyway, I wanna try I don't wanna I don't wanna get down by talking about how bad things are at the minute. I wanna uh, I want to relive some more happier uh, happy away day memories.
5: I think um, one of the good things I remember was Sheffield United away. Oh, we four, three nil down at half time, two nil down at half time, was it? We all went down for a whiskey bob That oh, was that, a that
6: was the that, that was a proper comeback. I didn't go to yeah. that one. I didn't go that one. Oh. That was that was like last minute, wasn't it? Was it a
5: coochie penalty? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. It was. It was the Bovros had done me in big time. Yeah, the, Bov, the whiskey yeah. Bovros like right in on it. Come back up from half-time and it was just a whole new game, wasn't it? was <laughs> a whole new world. Yeah. We do
0: fall into that category of people that, that very rarely remember the football after we come back from these these days of where they are.
5: <laughs> usually the football spoils it, doesn't it? That's the problem. Like being It often an older does,
0: player. yeah. It often does spoil it, yeah. Uh,
5: the more numb you are to the football, usually, the better it is. But then, obviously, you get the odd game where you win, and it's like, oh, did we win? I don't remember that, but it was a good day out.
4: I'll tell you what was a good result uh, and a good day out. It was uh, Leeds away, but was it um, Happy New Year? Um, yeah,
5: New Year's Day, wasn't it?
4: You left the ground, Matt, shouting, Happy New Yeah. In, in a bunch of, you
6: know, Happy thousands of late Happy New Year, Year I <laughs> was quite uh, brave. Matt, I've been very impressed with your uh, your podcasting. I think this is, you know, it's it's an honour for us all to be on here because I think you're doing great, great things with it. But I think it's worth just telling your listeners a little bit about Matt Dean, the away day character, the provocateur <laughs> So some people are well aware of who you are at an old Mathletic Away Day, but I don't think a lot a lot of people will be listening to this podcast. That that leads away game is a perfect example of it. It you've got bravery beyond your size and scale at these away games. You are the focus of attention of all of the most horrible home fans that really want to do you some damage because you're you're an expert at winding home fans up when we're on an away date. You've got legendary song creation. And I, yeah, I think I think it's probably worth touching on a few of those points on your on your little podcast here. Because that, that Leeds one was just the tip of the iceberg, you know, we, wishing all of Yorkshire a happy new year. I was did we win three nil that 3-0, day?
5: I think it was three nil at
6: Ellen Road on New Year's Day. Fuck yeah. hell, now. Thank it.
0: Yeah. We'll getting many of them. <laughs> yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm a gobshite, is what you're saying. Um, when I've got too many beers in me, sometimes I do get a little bit brave. I wasn't that brave when um, all those Tramier fans spotted me on the way out of the ground. And we there had to make a make a b-line into the Mersey Tunnel in a taxi to get away from everybody. We, we got, yeah, I, I lost my bravery then, I'll be honest. Yeah. There he is! Yeah. There he is! getting pushed Oh, I'm only into verbal warfare.
6: i not. I don't want any physical violence. That's not my style. No, but your no. the, the forte that I, I think you're particularly good at is picking out a single home fan in the crowd to really focus your your attention on. Uh, um, and one of my favourite moves is is when you started blowing kisses at people. <laughs> I like just just really hammering one person in the crowd, and then when they start to get wound up and start you know offering you out and all that. Just, just blowing kisses at him. That's where, what I just love. That. <laughs> I mean,
0: I know, but then that's all part and parcel of it, though, isn't it? Winding each other. I mean, that's how you get an atmosphere. You need to have a bit of banter between. Like that's what I think at Atlantic's now. It's a shame that like the away fans and the home fans are at opposite ends of the stadium. It's, it's better when you you know you're right next to each other in the stands and you can you wind each other up. Slay you would, that January in um, I don't know what year oh, it was. Oh. It was fucking freezing. Cold. It was me, you, me, Tom, and Adam. Coldest was, I've ever been. It was so cold, mm. wasn't it? It stood behind the goal. I think we won anyway. Carl well, Winchester yeah. scored a late goal. I think we won two 0 But we got our champ in the in the autumn crown. God's not sustainable. Pies are sustainable. Cod's not sustainable. Pies are sustainable. Was a,
1: yeah.
6: It was in the crown on the yeah. Monday. It was buzzing. Coming back to your your kind of presence at, at away games, that that's kind of your calling card, isn't it? A random song that starts with just you singing it and ends up with four or five other people singing it. And on, I think on that day, ended up with four or five hundred people singing it, and it was quite funny. Yeah. No, normally, people are just going, "The fuck are they going on about these?" Exactly. Guys?
0: I know. Yeah. It's on another. It's on another level. Sometimes our chanting seats, mm-hmm. just like.
6: I think chanting is is like exaggerating a bit as well. Like it's usually, <laughs> it's usually just four or five of us singing something really fucking abstract, and then everyone else looking at us, going, "What are they drinking?" What you mean, like
4: um, only here for the Bon Jovi at uh, MK Doms?
6: There you go. There we yeah. go. That was the low. That was the low point of uh, of of my old and away day travels. I'll be honest, but but the artifact of that was. One of the best songs that Matt has ever come up with at an away game.
0: Yeah, well, and, you 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 inspired that one. You mentioned that it was only built to host Bon Jovi. New stadiums, so you're only here for Bon Jovi, which is now the name of our WhatsApp group. You know, so
6: so yeah. losing six two at MK Dons had some small amount of value because it's been the name of a
5: WhatsApp group for like. <laughs> <people.
0: laughs>
5: yeah. Don't get was... much better than that, son, does it? Yeah, <laughs> living the dream.
0: <laughs> I mean it is actually just one of the worst away days isn't it um, MK Downs it's like Milton Keynes has absolutely nothing to offer you get up to in Milton Keynes and it's like roundabout big open expanse of space you have to like where's the pub you have to walk for ages and there's like one pub or two pubs on that little strip and then it's rubbish just rubbish town oh.
6: it's, a, it's a rubbish town with a rubbish bent football team that shouldn't exist and yet we still go there and lose and lose badly
0: yeah grim not to mention that the train station is absolutely terrifying those trains come flying through at like 200 mile an hour on that little platform it's horrendous there's nothing good about Milan Keynes at all move on then yeah <laughs> yeah move on I mean, like Fleetwood no, at
4: least it's got uh, Little and Large no, it's it's
6: bad one but Fleetwood I can't believe we've not was it Sid Little or
0: Sid Little it? Wasn't it, when you went to Fleetwood Yeah, Sid Little's pub. I got a photograph with Sid Little, and um, I'm sure loads of modern fans here, but I've never been been so impressed by someone's professional smile in all my life, because he was such a miserable get. He was like in no mood at all. And then like the photograph, it looks like he's having a great time. Um, (laughs) he, he, He just turned it on like, boom, and then he was like, off again. This is a test.
6: What about Millwall? And a lot of people get put off going because of the reputation and because it's quite scary down there, and you're walking through quite a sketchy area. But you're in London, you're at one stop on the tube from London Bridge, so you kind of get you get into London. You have a few beers in the best part of the city to have a few beers, and then you're at you're at Millwall in one tube stop. But I think it's a great away day. I remember being there. I think it was a Tuesday night. I think it was a Chris Taylor. 94th minute winner to win 3-2 on a Tuesday in winter that is among the most scared I've ever been in my entire life because there's only one thing happening when you get a last minute winner at Millwall and that is people are angry it it says it all at Millwall where you've got a covered a covered walkway from the away away end to the tube stop because there's that many bottles
5: that get chucked but, yeah, we uh, are in the Fontaine tube anyway, don't we? So it don't really yeah, matter. You do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're very yeah. rowdy on that tube, aren't they? Very round. Very raucous. Raucous, yeah, not like us. Well, no. I mean, that's
0: one of the things I was gonna, was gonna mention, actually, was like the train home. Like we're we're always very Like on, on the way down, we tend to like, if we're sharing a table with someone, we'll we'll offer them a drink and we tend to, you know. We've made some nice friends like, you know, middle-aged women and stuff like that it's on the way down and we've got chatting to and, you know, it's pretty civilized on the way down. But on the way back, it's obviously not quite so civilized because there's plenty of olden fans on the train that have been drinking all day. I think on the whole, they're pretty well behaved, but there's always one. And it was I was reminded of um, that lad who quite, I think a lot of people listening would know him, but I don't know what his name is, but... He's all right, like he's sound, but he was really, 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 really drunk. And he was being really, really, really annoying on the train. And we got to Stoke and he stood up and he's like beckoning his mates like, Sam, to get off, Sam, time to get off now, like get off now. And nobody said anything. <laughs> he got <laughs> off at Stoke and then the train went on. Everyone was like, <laughs> hey! <was singing>, like, <laughs> I thought he was in Manchester and he got off at Stoke, it was hilarious. But all his mates let him get off because he was being really <laughs> annoying. That was really, funny. <laughs> really funny and the whole
6: the whole train kind of settled down afterwards was he wasn't on it anymore and why didn't we have that strategy with Adam a few more times yeah
0: we could have got away with it couldn't we I think it's because we, we we knew that if we did that he would never have got away we never would have found, himself, found his <laughs> way <up>. home
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: it just would have been cruel we'd have had to explain it to Terry and his mum and dad and everything and it was just not worth it oh you're good friends aren't you <laughs> <laughs> This is a test.
5: Bradford, that's got the best chippy.
0: That's the best fish and chip shop in the world, that.
5: Just what you need after a long day out.
0: It's the, you, you get off the train station, you walk across that little square, and then there's like a really old fashioned fish and chip shop. I always judge a fish and chip shop not just by the fish and chips, but by the banter um, of the girls who work behind the counter and they were they were class. The the other the other top top banter girls are the on Anfield Road, the, the girls there in the chippy.
6: That is a top that's a top three chippy, that. Wow. It's literally on the corner, isn't it? Right right next to Anfield.
0: Yeah, really good. And like I say, really good banter of the Scouts girls behind the, uh, behind the counter. Up. There's
6: one away day we've not actually talked about, and I can't believe it's been missed off the agenda. What? Let's
0: see.
6: Huddersfield.
0: Oh.
6: Yeah. Huddersfield. Oh. Always, always an absolute belter <laughs> at Huddersfield. Doesn't matter whether we're in the same league or not Yeah, that that is awesome every time two pubs at the station get off the train drink about four pints in each for some reason I mean it's what is it the closest it must be the closest of a team as the crow flies you just got a massive uh, a massive moor in between you haven't you but what an away day that is yeah. that I, I absolutely crazy. love Huddersfield away
0: yeah when we filled that, when we filled that end behind the goal, there was that um, one season but it was like four and a half thousand of us in behind the goal, and we were absolutely raucous. I think we beat them as well, and it was just fantastic. Yeah,
6: I missed that. Yeah. Why did we have? Um, why did we all have our shoes off at one point? I never quite worked that out.
4: It was to do with Saddam, weren't it? Cause it were not it? Because it was like uh, back in the Gulf War at the end of it, didn't they all? When Saddam uh, statue came down, they all showed the, the soles of the feet. I think, wow, and, that, that and is sort of, like, as a mark of disrespect.
6: So they we're all showing that the-
5: deeper than our
6: ex- <laughs> 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 Was that one of yours,
5: Matt?
0: No, I don't know. Well, if it if it was, it wasn't for that reason. It's because they had hot
3: feet or something. <laughs> you're not going
5: to get. You're not getting hot feet in Uddersfield.
3: After the Carlisle game, Aldermore host Port Vale a side that sits 7th in the league, with 10 points out of a possible 18 as it stands. With 3 wins this season, all 3 wins have come at home, scoring 5 goals in 6 games, they average a possession of 49.6% with a pass completion of 62.7%. This is higher than Carlisle, so it's obvious that Port Vale are a team that like to have more of the ball than the Carlisle side that Oldham will face on Tuesday. Averaging 9.3 shots per game, only 3 per game are on target, and of the 9.3 shots, 6.2 come in the penalty area. They have however conceded 11.2 shots per game, and also average 14 fouls per game their top goal scorer this season is Mark Cullen He scored two goals and they also have another former Oldham player in Christian Montana who scored the winner against Salford this weekend another side that likes to utilize the 4-3-3 Cullen is their main outlet and they have been using Montana off the bench a former Oldham player in the Port Vale side is Zach Mills the right back has been in the defense that has conceded only two goals this season so it's clear that Port Vale are a strong defensive side with Oldham being a great attacking side it could be interesting to see how they fare against this Port Vale defence. However with Port Vale being up the table in seventh against the shaky Oldham defence that still hasn't found a perfect four it will be very interesting to see how they get on. A player to not feature this weekend was Arsenal defender Harry Clark who's joined on loan until January 20th. He was not able to feature in the 2-1 win against Bolton, but could make his debut on Tuesday at Calout or alternatively against Port Vale on the Saturday. The Arsenal defender could easily slot straight into the starting lineup and offer a sure head next to Carl Piergiani, who has improved massively since the first game of the season. At the other end of the pitch, Matic's attacking options are something that has not been questioned this season. Connor McElhenney has been in incredible form. Danny Rowe played fantastically against Bolton along with Baham and then and to top it all off, Zach Durnley off the bench slotted home the winner against Bolton, giving Harry Kuehl plenty of options to decide who should start against Carlisle and against Port Vale. With the win against Bolton, Oldham have now surpassed Bolton in the league and now sit 19th as opposed to the bottom of the league 24th they sat before the game. With the win against Carlisle it could see Oldham jump as high as 15th with results and goal difference going their way. And then a win against Port Vale could even see them jump up to as high as 8th. Over Taking Port Vale if they lose their next two games.
0: The Boundary Park Alert System is a Studio 6 production. It's hosted, edited, and mixed by me, Matt Dean. You can contact me on Twitter at Dublin OAFC and the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OAFC Podcast. Our email is bpalertsystem@gmail.com at gmail.com for all your voice messages. And please, if you like the show, do review and subscribe on whichever platform you listen. If you'd like to know more about Push the Boundary, you can visit their website pushtheboundary.co.uk and follow them on Twitter at ptb_oafc. underscore oafc. The title music for the show is by DJ and producer Starion and you can visit redlaserrecords.bandcamp.com for more information. Thanks for listening.